Episode 21 of the Bearded Podcast. We're headed east to Hampton, Virginia. Winthrop is playing the Hampton Pirates. We are in a Ford Edge Titanium leather seats. And it doesn't have a, a gear shift, Dave. It has a dial. So well, I'm just going to roll it. I'm just going to dial it over to drive, and then we'll get going here. When the basketball schedule comes out, I think we both look at the Hampton trip and go, oh, golly, that's a long one. But thankfully, the gods of content had given us wow. hours and hours and hours of material. So welcome to the rest of your lives. We will be talking to you for the foreseeable future. I mean, how are we all going to squeeze this into less than an hour? I don't know how we're going to do it. But I am Mike Pacheco. He is Dave Friedman. This is the Bearded Carcast. You can listen on Stitcher. If you're listening on SoundCloud, you can still do that. And of course, you can listen on iTunes as well. And Stitcher, of course, is new to us, uh, new this year. And you can follow us on Twitter at Bearded Carcast. Email us beardedcarcast at outlook.com. But where do we start? Well, the question I have is what direction are you going to drive? Because my GPS says go left, even though I almost always go right from this spot. Why is it telling you to go left? I don't know. I plugged in the hotel in Newport News, Virginia, and it said to go left. Right, I'm going right. All right, you're going right. Um, oh, so, wait, so before we get started, there were a couple things happened today that I got to discuss. Some, just driving here to get you. Two of my biggest car pet peeves. Right, so um, I'm getting on the highway, and I'm at a light, and there's a gas station on the corner on the right-hand side. And so there's an entranceway about a car and a half to two cars from the light. And it's usually at this stop that, you you know, you, it's customary to let people in. No problem with that. Uh, I'm doing it. But the guy, like, jams his way up almost into the next car. I've, I've left this guy a car length, so he doesn't need to, to be this kind of aggressive. And then no wave. Mm. So it, is it the yeah. act or the lack of response? No, it was the lack of the wave. Yeah. Because I could have get I could have gotten right up next to that other car and made him wait after me, and then there were cars behind me, so he could have been sitting there for five minutes. But no, no. Wave. no wave. But no wave. No wave. And then getting on. For those of you that are familiar with 45, getting on to 77 in, in Charlotte, um, right, you know, right as you get on to 77 North. Pretty soon, you have to cut over pretty quickly. Well, there's a uh, police action. There's a car broken down, and then there's a, a, a police car and a couple of um, a couple other cars there. And it's not the lane next to the first lane. It's not the first lane because obviously, you you leave that lane open, right? I'm in the second lane, so there's one lane open between me and what's going on here. There's a huge truck in front of me. The guy like slams on the brakes as soon as he turns the corner and sees this. I'm like, dude, you're not even in the lane. If you were in the lane next to him, I get it. But it was like the rubber neck slash, I'm slowing down to see what's going on, but you don't need to do So that. your two biggest gripes don't even involve the fact we picked up a rental car that doesn't have a full tank of gas. No, no. And then the third... Isn't that weird? That was, That is strange. But then we don't have to bring it back full. Well, true. <laughs> there is that. Uh, and then I've, I've never quite seen this. Uh, there's a dead squirrel in the middle of our street. So I'm getting in the car. Uh, Sam dropped me off to the rental car place to get this car. And we see this giant turkey vulture, like, pecking at the squirrel. That's not the weird part. So, you know, Sam kind of slowly rolls the, our car up to this buzzard or whatever he is. Right? About a, I don't know, we're like five feet away from him. 
Finally, he realizes there's a card, right? He looks up, takes one more bite, and normally I would expect a bird, normally when you see a bird like this, Dave, what happens? They get up and they fly away. Right. Just turned his head, walked about three feet over to the to the side of the road to let us pass, and then as we passed, then he went back to his, <laughs> went back to his meal. There you go. That's an urban uh, turkey vulture buzzard, whatever you call it. But anyway, so that's that's our trip getting here to, to see you. And I actually like this rental car we have. It's pretty spacious. I think it's funny you've made the determination on it since you've driven it 10 miles yeah. so far, and we've got uh, 336 left to get to Hampton. And we don't even have a full tank of gas. And we don't even have a, a full so tank of gas. So we can't even gas. do like the Blues Brothers skit. Yeah. Now, it, it's... It's funny we start with all of that when I thought when we were leaving the Winthrop Coliseum on Saturday, we might talk about Winthrop's crazy triple overtime game against Gardner-Webb at some length. And then we got to the Saturday and Sunday NFL games and that that crazy Houston-Kansas City first half and the end of the Green Bay Seattle game and then we have the national title game on Monday and we also on Monday have the baseball suspension Suspension, and then firing of A.J. Hinch and Jeff Lunau then Tuesday we get the Cora firing and then the two big pieces of Panther news back to back if you are not in Charlotte, because it's a no-brainer to me that if you live in Charlotte, the lead story is Luke Keekley retiring. Yeah. But if you live in Manhattan, what is the biggest story of that group? Well, I will say probably the Luke Keekley, just because of the time, it's the last big thing that happened. And he retired, you and I kind of texted each other, about... I don't know, an hour, hour and a half after they released that video, Dave, there were 9 million views on the Panthers' website. That's how they, they chose to announce their retirement. It was uh, a very emotional video. And I think, you know, the question becomes, um, I mean, I don't think it's a question, but you know, the natural question is, well, he's played eight years, he was a defensive rookie of the year, then he was a defensive player of the year back-to-back. Only he and Lawrence Taylor have done that. He's had seven straight Pro Bowls. I mean, clearly the guy's a Hall of Famer. I don't even think that's a that's an issue. Do you, you think that's the big story? Uh, Luke Keekley, well, maybe I'm biased because of my connection, but uh, in totality, I think the baseball story... Ten years I don't ago, even I think, think that's the Luke Keekley story. No, I think 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the big story out of all this, baseball probably would have had more cachet. I think it's huge because of the the length of suspension and I think I know where you're going the, the story is concussions and you know mental health and, and or just health in general because absolutely we're making we're making the leap that it was the concussions and, that, and that's probably a fair leap to make Andrew Luck Rob Kronkowski yeah. Luke Keekley. but it's not just the concussions though Dave I just think it's the, the physicality of and how tough the game is well yeah and, and what it does to your body it, and it's the salaries which to me are justified but if you've got $60 million in the bank and there's a question about how this is affecting your health, like whether you do or do not have a brain injury now, every time you go out there, there's a chance that you're going to pick one up. You've got money for the rest of your life and the rest of your kid's life. 
I think it's the responsible decision. Well, it's a smart decision. But this is what's different between now and 50 years ago. 50 years ago, their salaries were closer to what the, the living wage or the common person was making back then. It was still a good living, but you weren't providing for future generations. Yeah. I have no doubt that there is going to be football for the foreseeable future. But I don't think this is a one-off or a two-off or a five-off. I think we're going to see more and more players saying, you know what, I've had a great six, eight, ten-year run, and I'm relatively healthy, and I've got generational money, and I don't need to take this risk anymore. Right. And I don't think I don't think that logic is flawed at all. But I would caution, or I would add, I shouldn't say caution. What are they like? Sixteen hundred players, and how many? How many? What's the players? There's thirty-two teams, fifty-three guys, right? Sure. Right. So that's roughly what a thousand or fifteen hundred, something like that. Yeah. Okay. We're talking about three guys out of fifteen hundred in any one given no, year. No, I don't think we are. I mean, those are the guys to get the attention because they're all pros. I think they're guys that are third stringers who are borderline roster guys who go, it's not worth it all the time. Right, but those guys aren't necessarily making the wrong. We're talking they're about They're among stars. the 1,500. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're among the 1,500. But So of the, of the 1,500, so of the, there are 100 that are stars, and even if it's one a year, that's still yeah. 1%. No, it's still, I'm not saying it's not a lot. I'm just saying we need to put it in perspective. Yeah, I mean... Larry Fitzgerald's going to play his 17th year in the NFL. And Tom Brady appears as though he's going to play until he literally cannot throw the football anymore because he barely can throw it now. But there are going to be more and more players that make this decision because it's the responsible decision. Now, the other big news yesterday, and we can talk more about Keekly. We can do an entire podcast on Keekly, whether he's a Hall of Famer, what he means to the Panthers, yada, yada, yada. But the Panthers have a new offensive coordinator who was not even an offensive coordinator in college last year. Yeah. Yeah. He was the passing game coordinator for the LSU Tigers. Right. But he also was the hot guy. I mean... The guy. the, The LSU offense wasn't so good. Joe Brady got there, and they won the national championship, and Joe Burrow was the Heisman Trophy winner... And they had one of the great seasons in the history of college football. Yes. So, you've got Joe Brady. Joe Brady, yes. You've got Matt Rule. Yes. You do not have Luke Keekley. Let's just start with Joe Brady. So, let me say something that I saw on Twitter about an hour ago. And it was, I don't know if it was tongue-in-cheek a little bit. Not tongue-in-cheek in a funny way, but maybe to offer some thought or... Uh, but Jonathan Stewart, who played with Luke Keekley, said, "Hey, Luke Keekley's retiring. He's a great he's a great defensive mind. You know, maybe he should be the defensive coordinator for the Panthers." Yeah, that that that's fine. I mean, I, I, I sure. I just thought it was interesting. No, but go ahead, continue. Let, let's just start with Joe Brady before we get into the bigger picture. Good hire. I think it looks good now. I think you have to. We don't know if it's a good hire or not. I mean, it's it's a situation where he he did uh, he did have some time with the Saints, so obviously was able to learn under Sean Payton and was around Drew Brees. So I mean, I think that's encouraging. And of course, what what LSU did in their passing game this year, and you know, I, I on paper I think it looks like a great decision. I think it's a good decision, but times only. I mean, this. I, I mean, it's this, on brand. 
Yeah. Matt Rule gets a zillion dollars. He's the hot guy. We're going to make sure we get him. Let's bring him in. This is another hot guy, young mind. We're going to bring him in. We're not going to let somebody else yeah. get him. Like, like so yeah. I don't know if these two guys are the geniuses of all time or not, but like I like the idea of being aggressive and getting the best talent. You made a good point, though, when you said it was on brand because it, it speaks to everything I think David Temper wants to be. He wants to be cutting edge. He wants to be, you know, really on the verge of, of the next trend. Not forgetting, but not forgetting how football works. I mean, this is, they're not trying to reinvent football, but I think they want to they want to make sure they cover all their bases. That they they are interesting. They're exciting. They're scoring points, and the old way, quote unquote, the old way, Dave. I don't think works that way anymore you know in other words if you're talking about your traditional running game uh and just look at the tennessee titans uh, two weeks ago against new england you know they didn't put up a ton of points that was a very traditional you know old style slap you in the mouth punch you in the mouth we're gonna march it down the field eat up a lot of clock um and, and there are times where that's gonna be necessary but i think when you have a christian mccaffrey and potentially a cam newton or even you know uh one of the quarterbacks it's over. In the draft, it's over. yeah Luke Kuechly is gone, and the team is not going with their current roster to be a playoff team or better. They're not. They just lost their best player. Cam Newton is a huge question mark. They've brought in a 30-year-old offensive coordinator, a head coach that's never done it before. It's over. It's over. Cam Newton is not going to be back on the Panthers, and I'm not 100% sure Christian McCaffrey is either. And here's why. Okay. Because it's clear to me in the last week and a half that you have decided Matt Rule's our long-term guy. We've given him a lot of money over a long period of time. So we're going to let him go through some lumps and retool the roster and, and mold it to his liking. You lose Luke Kuechly. They might have known that was coming. Right? right, like right. The, the organization may have known right. it. Well, without your best player, with huge question marks around Cam Newton, it seems reasonable to me that you might be recognizing we're rebuilding. Joe Burrow is the Heisman Trophy winner. He's going to be the number one pick in the draft. He just worked with your offensive coordinator. Your coach is coming from college where he admired and watched Joe Burrow. If you wanted to restart, how would you go acquire the first pick to get Joe Burrow? What entity well, do you have right, that right. could get him? All right, but if I'm the if, if I'm the Bengals, I don't know if there's outside of a bunch of first round picks, a Christian McCaffrey. I don't know that I'd do it. I think I think the Cincinnati fans, the Ohio fans, would come with pitchforks. Well, that that, that and you might be right. I don't think he, that, it might be no, no. If an, they give, if they give a great deal, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do it. Bro. It might be an untradeable asset for the Bengals because he's from Ohio. But if the offer is our first round draft pick, the Panthers are at seven. Is that right? Yes. Our first round draft pick, number seven overall, where you can get Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa or whatever, and Christian McCaffrey may be the best non-quarterback in the NFL very possibly the best running back in the NFL in the prime of his career young at very least you have to consider that 
I think you consider it, but I, I, I don't know that I would do that. I, I think Christian McCaffrey stays Carolina Panther. As a Panther or as a Bengal? Christian McCaffrey is a Carolina Panther. Next no, no, no. If you're the Panthers, you wouldn't make the move? Or if no. you were the Bengals, you wouldn't make the I, move? If I, either one, I wouldn't make the move. Interesting. Because I'm, I don't think the Panthers should do it. Like, like, Christian McCaffrey, prime of his career, seemingly great on and off the field, young. You can build your franchise around him. But, but you're Cincinnati. You need a franchise quarterback, too. No, no question. So why would you end the guys in Ohio guy and half half the state is already frothing Because if you're able him. to add one of the top running backs in football, you can punt and wait a year and go after Trevor Lawrence. You can bring in a free agent quarterback like um, Teddy Bridgewater. You can draft an alternative quarterback. The question is, how big is the package? Uh, and again, I'm not saying that the Panthers are offering but you're Christian gonna, you're McCaffrey. Gonna, you're going to trade Christian. You're going to trade for uh, Joe Barrow out to bring in Christian McCaffrey to stink for a year to hope that you're the worst team in the league to get tri- to get Lawrence. Not the craziest thing I've ever heard. I, that, that, now you've a, got that's a tough execution. Now you've got Christian McCaffrey and Trevor Lawrence. Jeez, that's a pretty good start. Yeah, but that's a hard execution to pull off. Well, they executed one in fifteen this year. Yeah, well, but if you're Christian McCaffrey, I mean, I know I know he doesn't necessarily have a say in this, but you're going to go to a team and suck for a year. I just look at what Dave Tepper has done, and I am seeing no signals that this is going to be a quick fix. I'm seeing we're bringing in young offensive coordinator, might be a genius, but there's going to be a learning curve. I'm seeing we're bringing in college head coach, long-term deal, big money, that signals long-term to me. Luke Keekley departing, great, yeah, I mean, that's legendary. A big, that, that's a big chip. That's a big chip. Right I, I just, like, when we talked to Darren Gant last week on this very podcast, he was pretty certain, and I'm not saying that I disagreed, but he was pretty certain that the three best teams in the NFL were Baltimore, yep. and New Orleans. I'm sorry, Baltimore and Kansas City yep. and San Francisco. Right. And we saw San Francisco win with relative ease, yep. and we saw Baltimore go out and Kansas City get tested. And he thought that the building blocks that the Panthers had, and he named probably four guys, yep. and two of them were Luke Keekley and Cam Newton, yep. could be a playoff team. Well, I don't think there's any question that Luke Keekley was the biggest piece. He's the best player on the team. He's one of the best players in the history of the franchise. He just walked out the door. Yeah. I mean, if this was Christian McCaffrey that just walked out the door, you'd go, wow, the Panther offense is in trouble. Well, the Panther defense is in trouble. Right, right. and those two guys have been kind of the core of this team. No question. I I just, like... If you brought in Mike McCarthy, older guy, has won games before. You brought back Keekley. You brought back Newton. You just wanted a little new energy right, in the but, room. But I, think, but I think the better play if you're the Panthers in a rebuild is to keep McCaffrey, stay at number seven, you know, get the best player available there. You know, if, if Cam Newton's back for another year, he is under contract. So if he's back for another year, you roll with him or... Maybe you go get a free agent. You, you work. You know, and if you're going for Trevor Lawrence the next year, 
you know, maybe you bring back the two quarterbacks that we're playing now because you're, you're, you're playing the tank. What do you think, if the Panthers were to roll back everything they have, just as it is, we know Luke Kuechly's not back, but everything else comes back. Let's say Cam's healthy. Let's say he's healthy for 10 games, 14 games, 17 games, whatever it is. I, I think they're going to play 17 games. So you wait, think they go 17 next year? Yeah. But but maybe it'll be 16, whatever. Right. What do you think the record is? I mean, I, I, mean, I hate, it sounds like, I, I'm not hedging. I just, I don't know. I, I can't give you a number. I, it feels like eight and eight. Well, it's an eight and eight league. So I mean, nine and eight, start there. eight and nine, eight and eight. eight and eight. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to think that, right? I don't think Dave Tepper has any interest in that. The moves he has made does not indicate to me that that's something he's going to go in on. No, I agree with that. It seems to me he wants to win big, and if he can't win big, he's happy to start over. But but there's a couple things. I mean, there's so many different question marks. This, this is what makes it such a fascinating topic to discuss because, I mean, we have ideas. There, there, you know, A lot of people have their own theories on, on what can happen, but there's still a couple things that need to happen before we understand what direction they're going in. Remember, they're still they still want to bring in an executive vice president who's going to kind of oversee more of the NFL side of the, like the, the actual the player side of things, free agents and that that you know that side while working with Marty Herney, who's going to be really more on the college side, right? So so how does how does that take shape in conjunction with what Matt Rule wants to do? So I think it's all a long term play. I just I I, I, dis, I disagree. I think well I do yeah the, the long term play is there. But I think there's also... I don't think he wants to suck either. Well, and, and I think that's reasonable. I mean, who wants to suck? But if you're not going to suck and you're not going to procure that high draft pick, then you're probably picking a quarterback at seven. If you don't think that somebody on the roster, whether it be any of the three of them, right. if you don't think one of those three of them is the five-year future, and I have a hard time imagining how any of those three guys could be the five-year future. Right. I think you're drafting quarterback in the first ten. Yeah. Do you agree? To me, again, I, actually, I, what I would probably think of is, I think moving up is almost impossible, right? And, and maybe not impossible because you know, with David Tepper, I think he's going to have the creativity and look, he, he he's got a certain. I don't want to say I don't give a blank, but I mean, when he sets his mind to something, and generally in his business career, he's been ahead of the curve. So I mean. I, I think there's faith that he's going to, you know, they're going to have a good plan here. So is it is it trade up? I don't know if that's the play, but is it, like I said earlier, is it get the best player at seven, you know, get through this year? You know, it, if you really think, I mean, I think the free agent moves are going to be huge too. because if they think, I just they, don't think they want to get through. If they wanted to get through, they could have kept wrong. They don't want to get. They, they, no, I mean, no, 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 no. I don't mean get through like just like blow it off. But like, I don't know. Like this guy doesn't like losing either. Yeah. You know. So I don't know that. You know. Again, you take Luke Keekley off the board. I think that changes completely how they look at next year. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly. So agree. I don't know. So, but, but when I say get through, Dave, I mean get through in the sense of get through next year with whatever quarterback they have, and maybe Trevor Lawrence is the play, because then. But if because now you're not trying to see for, for them to get up to number one in my opinion you know McCaffrey has to be in play I don't think they want to part with McCaffrey well I don't think McCaffrey has to be in play you can make the Herschel Walker trade you can trade a boatload yeah, of draft picks yeah but then you're hamstringing yourself down like, but the, the only ways of getting Burrow or Lawrence are getting the number one pick so either you have to 
make the ridiculous trade to get to number one this year, or you have to completely tank for next year, or you don't get either of those guys, and that's perfectly fine too. You get a different quarterback fine. out of the draft. You trade for a quarterback. To, I mean, well, what about Teddy Bridgewater for the Panthers? Yeah, I mean, I think to me the signal, the signal is going to be what they do in free agency. Yeah, I mean, any signal will be an indication. Will will give us a gauge, an idea of what they're going to do. Now, you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Marty has not been known to make big splashes in free agency. No, but he has been known to combo two number ones to trade up. You know, uh, Jeff Ota was. I don't. I, don't, I think he kind of got stung by that. So I don't know if that's. You know, and if you go back to what we've seen the last 10 years, Dave, I mean, it's... Look, the Rams have kind of mortgaged the future to win now. Paid off last year when they made it to the Super Bowl. You know, what are they going to look like next year? I mean, I, I don't know that they're going if to... You, if you listen to what Dave Tepper has said, you know, I think they, they want to do something that's going to, you know, get them to be good as soon as possible, but also be something that's going to be sustainable down the road. So that's why I don't see them doing like a 3-4 number ones... I just, like, based on the things we've seen, meaning firing Ron midseason, hiring Matt Rule, the flashy college guy, bringing in the new young gun offensive coordinator, and the messaging that Tepper has had, whether it's with soccer or with football or building the facility in Rock Hill, he does things big. I just don't see... Well, we don't want to trade McCaffrey. Well, we don't want to trade a series of draft picks. I, I think he's swinging for the fences. Now, you might be right. It might be next year. I, I just I don't think he's going to sit and patiently wait for long periods of time. I would say there's 52 guys on the roster that he would be more willing to move. To move. I just think McCaffrey, I just think McCaffrey's the one guy he's not going to want. Oh, I don't disagree with that. And if I were in his spot, I probably would be the exact same way. I mean, with Luke Keekley gone, Christian McCaffrey is your best player. So maybe you don't want Joe Burrow that much. Maybe that franchise quarterback. Now here's the, now here's the interesting, and I don't think Cincinnati would go for this, but if it was Christian McCaffrey in the seven to go to number one to get Joe Burrow, do you make that? If you're Cincinnati, do you take that? I, I don't know. I mean, it really depends. That, but. It really depends on how much you value the next six players in the draft. If the drop down from Joe Burrow to number seven is enormous, well, you're getting an All-Pro player in the prime of his career. Is that worth it? I I don't know. If the drop down is not, if you really like the quarterback from Utah State, the quarterback from Oregon, or you've got a plan to go with a free agent quarterback. Well, what if the plan was we're going to get the number seven pick in the draft and Christian McCaffrey, and we're going to sign Tom Brady, and now your team is McCaffrey, Brady, and oh, by the way, we've got our pick, so we're adding another dynamic player. Uh, like, there are ways to consider it. I don't think Christian McCaffrey to trade from 7-1 to one is crazy. I, I, I don't know that the Panthers would do it, and I don't know that the Bengals would do it, but I don't think it's ridiculous.
for live to digital audio, Bearded Carcast, episode 21, season 3 of Bearded Carcast, at Bearded Carcast on Twitter, and Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com is how you send us an email. We we're probably, on our way to yeah. Hampton, Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. We have not yet decided what we're doing for a meal we tomorrow. Have not. We have not? Well, we're going to get some local intelligence tonight, Yeah, we? we're, we're, we're going to get a, 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 a nice dinner tonight with our friend Ian Locke who I have known for a long long time he's the media relations director for the uh, Norfolk Tides but but tomorrow we're going to do our normal song and dance we're going to go to something local something with some character yeah. we haven't decided yet if you've got an idea we'd love to get your suggestion well and hopefully we get this out in time for, for it to be irrelevant this will be out this afternoon yeah. tonight yeah. I, you mean to tell me that people don't listen immediately upon release I mean we get I know we get a, a big share of our listening right off the bat so bearded yeah. carcast at outlook.com if you'd subscribe you would know every time it drops that's true that is true it would really be advantageous to subscribe very advantageous and leave us a review we like to hear what people are thinking don't you Sure. Doesn't mean we're going to do anything Doesn't about it, yeah. but yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know. I don't like the way you're driving. Go screw yourself. Thanks for letting me know. So, hey, I think that guy just cut me off. Wait, did he have a bearded car cast? <laughs> um, maybe, maybe he wasn't paying attention because he was talking and recording a podcast maybe, while driving. Maybe. Um, we're down to the final four yeah. in the NFL. We didn't get the matchups I think we were thinking at the beginning of the playoffs. I mean, we, we kind of thought New Orleans and San Francisco was right. semi-likely, maybe a, a Seattle-San Francisco rematch for a third time. Yes. Kind of thought we were going to get Kansas City-Baltimore, or if not Kansas City-Baltimore, New England-Baltimore. We don't have that. Don't have. Instead, we've got two games with touchdown spreads. Let's start with that. Do you have a strong suspicion that one of these two games, Green Bay, San Francisco, or Tennessee, Kansas City, is going to be close? I think the I do. I, well, let me start with the Chiefs. I think that game is going to be close because I believe that Derrick Henry is going to continue to to run the ball, and I think that's going to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Now, I'm not saying necessarily saying I think the Titans are going to win the game, but I think. If they get their running game going, that's going to make it a, a more of a lower type of scoring game, I believe. One of my really good friends is a diehard Ravens fan. And when we were talking about last week's game, he's just like, I think the Ravens are going to win big because they're never going to let Derrick Henry go off. And then Derrick Henry yeah, went off. Went off. And I didn't think he was going to have a big game against New England either. Exactly. Bill Belichick, same thing. Has to know if the Titans are going to win, Derrick Henry has a big game. Yeah. We're going to do everything we can to stop Derrick Henry from beating us, and then Derrick Henry beat him. Well, and, and the only counter to that is you have to score every possession because, if, you know, when you have the other team has the ball control, you have to be very efficient in your offense. Yeah. I just – Kansas City's defense has been much better over the last seven, eight weeks than it was at the beginning of the year. Kansas City's defense looks good or solid or capable or something along those lines. And Andy Reid, who I think is the second best coach in the NFL and has been for about a decade, usually has a game plan. Now, I know his his past in the playoffs is 
is shaky, but by and large, Andy Reid, regular season more so than postseason, has been a terrific coach. So, on one hand, we, we see Derrick Henry doing what Derrick Henry has done now a couple weeks in a row. Kansas City knows they have to stop him. To me, this game comes down to A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill. I do think Derrick Henry will be okay. They will give him the ball over and over and over again. He will move the pile. But what the last two weeks have done is they've really set up play action. Because every time they run a play, you expect it to be a run. And what Tennessee was doing down the stretch this season was they were hitting a home run or two a game. So to me, it comes down to can Tennessee hit enough home runs to A, back the defense off the run, and B, to win the game? I, I don't know. Well, and I think that's what they're going to do. I think that, that's. I think you enumerated the game plan perfectly. I think they are going to be able to do it. Like I think play action's coming on play one or yeah. play two. Yeah. Like Kansas City all week in practice is going to see all of those runs. Run, yeah. run, 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 run. I, I think they're throwing early to see if they can throw a throw an uppercut. Yeah, I totally agree. And look, part of the reason why Kansas City won the game, and, and look, this is not we can't prove it, but. Uh, that the sequence of going for it uh, or not going for it on fourth down, kicking the field goal, and then next possession doing the fake punt. To me, that was where they lost the game. You know, you let Kansas City back in with the kickoff return. Uh, then you give them a short field. They score again. That game was over. A ton point. has been made of that, and rightfully so. And I, I don't disagree with you. I think you can argue both of those plays either way. And like. I probably wouldn't have punted. I think I would have kicked the field goal, but 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 whatever. The way Kansas City's offense exploded, maybe they wouldn't have taken the game over in the third quarter without those plays, but that train didn't look like it was getting stopped. No, but what I'm suggesting though is you have all the momentum. Yep. I mean, and let's go on the assumption that on that fourth and one they get the first down, right? So now you're eating up more time. You're you know, you're driving down the field. You get a touchdown there, then you're putting more pressure on Kansas City. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, yeah, I that, mean, that, that's you're right. Yeah, that that that's absolutely right. I mean, Houston was in charge of the game. There were a couple of questionable calls or decisions, and then an avalanche, avalanche hit them. Yeah, and then they once that snowball started, they couldn't stop them. Right. I mean, the game was over at halftime, and it was they scored too fast. Essentially. Right. Now, do you think that was more about Houston or more about Kansas City in terms of can the Chiefs duplicate that offensive performance? If they play two more games like that, they're winning the Super Bowl. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. But was that more about Houston going into the locker room with their head between their legs and coming out in the third quarter with their head between their legs and being kind of mentally finished? You know, we talk a lot about basketball, about being a game of runs. That that game was a game of runs. You know, Tennessee had a good run, and then Kansas City countered. And Houston the, had a good run. Or Houston had a good run, then Kansas City. Fought, but then Houston didn't have an answer to stop the run. Right. That's exactly right. So 
But I think, but see, this is why, but we're talking about two different styles of game. Absolutely. So and I Tennessee think, has the yeah. personnel and the game plan to kind of play the four corners offense, right? To limit the number of possessions and control the ball right. and all those things. Right. I mean, this is one of the, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but this has the potential of being one of those things where, you know, maybe in the first half, there's only three offensive possessions on either side. Possible. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, if Tennessee's game plan works, it is exactly that. It's 14 plays yeah. and eight, eight minutes, minutes. Yeah. and a one-yard touchdown run at the yeah. end of it. Right. That's a hard game plan to execute. No, but, but that's but but that but that plays into playoff football though. Right. But the teams they've beaten thus far are not as good as the team they're playing this week. I would agree with that. All right, how about the NFC? Well, I haven't liked Green Bay all year. We have year. not liked Green Bay all year. And, and think, here they are. I think, you know what's going to happen? We'll be like, yeah, Green Bay. And then, then San Francisco will beat them. No, I mean, I think San Francisco is going to take them to the woodshed. I do too. I think San Francisco is the better team. And you know I've been high on San Francisco since early on. Yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers, I think, will win the game at the point of attack on both sides of the football. And I... They're playing at home. They're well coached. They're balanced. I mean, I think they're better. But here is Green Bay, and here is Aaron Rodgers, and like they have been in it all. I mean, they've hung around. They've been. It. They've done it. They've, what they've was won. your take on their game against Seattle? Um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, they they also got a kind of a good lead, and then towards the end, you know, Seattle was in a because you know Seattle. I think the interesting thing about that is it. When you when you asked me, was it more the you know the Astros, you know, Houston, or was it more the the Chiefs? You know, this was you know Kansas. I mean, Seattle seemed to have kind of implode on themselves a little bit. And I then, couldn't agree more. K- Seattle went into Philadelphia with both teams extraordinarily beat up yeah. and gutted one out, and the decaying carcass of the Seahawks. <laughs> Wasn't good enough to beat a healthy, rested Green Bay team playing at home. But it's not like Green Bay dominated the game. They hung on. They just hung on, And now that Green Bay team is going on the road to play a San Francisco team that I just think is better than them. There's one X factor in all this, and it's confidence. And I think Green Bay, they, they play like they believe in themselves. And that's a powerful ally to have. Now... That may not overcome the talent of San Francisco, but I do think Green Bay is going to go into this game thinking they have a chance. I really hope it's Kansas City and San Francisco in the Super Bowl because any other combination makes me think it's a very possibly lopsided, lopsided yeah. and not particularly yeah. engaging or fun game. I would but, agree. But, yeah. you know, I mean, like, you still have to hand it to Tennessee. They've won two games that I don't think either of us thought they were nope. going to win. Nope. So... They're doing something right, and maybe they can. You know, if if Tennessee were to win the Super Bowl, would would we completely rethink the way the modern NFL is played? Well, this is what's funny, right? Because the importance of the running back in terms of drafting high went away for a while. And now teams are starting to realize that you know maybe there is value in having a, a stud running back. But here's back. the problem with the stud running back to me. And this goes to our discussion about trading McCaffrey. And I'm not advocating for that, though I can understand it. Your stud running back is a stud for how long? 
Todd Gurley yeah. is not the same dude we saw two years ago. He just got his big contract. How old is he? Like 27, yeah. 26? Like the lifespan of those running backs. If you're using your first round pick on a running back, it better be Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, and you better get a ton out of them in five or six years. Meanwhile, you draft a quarterback and it might be Tom Brady or Drew Brees and they're playing in their 40s. Yeah, no, there's value in that. Like the value in the running back is right now, today. You watch those two running backs in the national title game, I'd happily have Etienne or Hilaire on my team in 2000. 20, 2021, 22, and 23. But about 2024, I might want somebody younger that hasn't taken yeah. quite the beating. Yeah. Like, like the, the guys like Frank Gore are a treasure. They're, they're still cranking it out at, at advanced age. Yeah, it's an anomaly, really, at this, at this stage. I, Derek Henry feels old to me. I'll do a quick Google here. How old is Derek Henry? Like 28, 29? Yeah, he's been in the league, what, five years? Something like that. But doesn't he feel like an old guy? He does. Yeah, a little bit on the older side. Well, McCaffrey's going into his fourth season. No, they were in the same draft, I think, weren't they? Henry is 26. Yeah, he's 26. I think think they were in the same draft, actually, he and McCaffrey. Yeah, I just, like, and, and that's the thing about McCaffrey. If you are not going to be able to win in the next two years... Yeah. Is he more valuable as a trade asset than he is as a player? And again, he's one of the best players in the NFL. Now, McCaffrey's only 23. But how many years? You you probably can legitimately say he's going to be good for three more years. Four and five, likely, but not sure about that. And after that, I'm not betting on him. So, like... You better have a tight window that you think you can win. Otherwise, and it doesn't have to be now. It could sure. be next year. Yeah. You got to think about how do we leverage our assets. Sunday and the Super Bowl college football season, Mike, is over. Um, it ends in an ACC SEC game, yeah. and it ends in I don't know. I it was good first half. Yeah, it was an exciting first half. I mean, Clemson gets up by double digits. That was intriguing, yeah. and you know, first a little time bit LSU like had been down double figures, right? And a little bit like like Kansas City and Houston in the NFL, like. It just felt like that score right before halftime yeah. kind of showed you that LSU was going to assert how much better they were. And in the second half, the door was open. Uh, LSU had to punt on that first possession, and Clemson got the ball, and and they were back in the game. But I, I don't know. I never in the second half thought Clemson was going to win. No, I thought the early third quarter, I thought LSU was going to run away with it. And then... I don't know, about midway through the third quarter, uh, I had to start watch, following the game on Twitter. I guess I could have watched it on the, on the phone. Uh, we had a really bad storm come through, and my DirecTV was out. So. I kind of lost interest. Like, it's yeah. the middle of the fourth quarter. I didn't really pay it attention. It seems like the, the game quarter, is yeah. over, 
And, and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, thank God. I'm ready for people to start focusing on college basketball. Yeah. Like, like, I like college football, but I have such issues with the system. You know, I, I was talking to our friend Andy Jones the other day, yeah. and he's the only one I know that doesn't like the playoff. He thinks it's kind of ruined the regular season. And, and he and I kind of came to a point of agreement that either the playoff needs to be enlarged yeah. or shortened. And the problem with shortening it is if you had only two teams this year, one of those three big boys, Clemson, LSU, or Ohio State, would have been left out. So you have to make it longer. You have to have eight or 16 teams. And you know, we've talked about it a lot. I like the idea of having the little guy, having the Cinderella, sure. having everyone have that option. And he made the point that the problem with that is then it's just the NFL. You've got eight or 16 teams in the playoffs. The game is essentially the same. The regular season's meaning is way, way less. The differentiator in college basketball is the one game and you're out tournament with 64 teams. Whereas in college football, you go to the eight-team playoff and you marginalize the regular season and you've basically got the same playoff format as the NFL except everything is inferior. The college basketball product, my, my beloved college basketball that I watch for dozens of hours a week, it's an inferior product to the NBA. Nobody would debate that. There's no LeBron James. There's no Greek freak or Steph like, like the players are better in the NBA. What makes college basketball attractive is the season's 30 games instead of 82, and the postseason is one and you're done. And they're all of these wild cards, the the VCUs and Wichita States and Butlers of the world. Whereas in college football, if you just put in eight teams or 16 teams, you have an inferior product to the NFL, and you have essentially the same structure. There's nothing that differentiates it. Well, so my my fix for that would be, or my suggestion to that would be, that is where you have to open up more than one spot to a non-power five. And that would do two things. Right, so let's say you say two from you know everybody else, two spots out of eight, right? So instead of all eight going to power five teams, you know now you, there are some things you have to do to be a little bit different. And you know if you allow in like this year, you know like maybe a Memphis or uh, what's another team? App State. App State. App State. Uh, I think you have to allow for non-power five teams to get in there. I think that doesn't solve the issue, but it makes it more interesting. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it makes it more interesting. I just... I, there's really no way to fix it, though, to be honest with you. No, there's not. And the old system, when there was no playoff, was such a joke at the end that number one might play number seven, and number two might right. play number five, right. and then we're going to vote on yeah, it. Right. So that was a ridiculous system. Right. And then we had the 
well, we'll just get together the two best teams at the end of the year, which works if they're clearly two best teams. Yeah. But in a year just like this one. I, say, I, would, I would say this about your premise, what you and Andy Jones talk about. I, I would slightly disagree. Uh, I, I understand that you could say that the regular season has diminished a little bit. Uh, to me, what, what's made it relevant is the Bulls. The, the regular season still has meaning. I mean, it's not as meaningful, but it still has meaning because you still have to you still have to win your games. You still have to you know win your conferences. It's not like you know if you're, the, the other issue is that there are three or four teams that are just head and shoulders. It's almost like women's basketball in, co- in college women's basketball. There there's the elite teams in, in women's basketball, and then there's everybody else, and and that's what football has kind of become. Where it's it's like you know the the, the teams that are get the top two or three seeds are obvious, but but then it becomes a little bit more of a question. So you think the issue is less about the framework and more about we've allowed Clemson and Alabama and whoever those six or eight or four, whatever the magic number of teams is, to be just so much better than everyone else. Well, if that's the problem, that's not really a problem. That, that's a problem that everyone else, you know, Florida, get your act together, and USC, get your act together, and Michigan, get your act together. I mean, but I don't I, think you can think, do anything about but, that. But I think the playoff system, in some in the inadvert, the unintended consequence, I think, maybe, and maybe it's just because the structure has changed, and it's just bearing this, putting more sunlight on this, but there are more power teams, I think. In the old bowl system, it was harder to, I mean, when you had the five bowls, the teams that went to those five top bowls generally were considered the top is it problematic to you or not that LSU could have lost the SEC championship game or Ohio State could have lost the Big Ten championship game and still gone to the playoff because if the answer is no that's not a problem then the system is perfectly fine how it is because the regular season matters no I I agree I think I agree with you I think it does matter I think it does matter if they lose those games you know because it's I don't know. Like, remember a couple? You know, we had that situation where a team that loses in the SEC is in the is in the championship. Right. And, and playing Monday morning quarterback, the way Oklahoma played in the playoff game, another SEC team or a Pac-12 team or anybody else might have been a better option. I, I just week in and week out in college football. For all of the games that are played, there are so few that matter. And even the ones that matter may or may not matter because if you lose a game, you can still get into the playoff. Like, if we had an 18 playoff, which I think both of you and I like the idea of. Totally. Yes. You can lose twice if you're Alabama or Clemson, maybe and still make the playoff and win the national championship. That's the NFL. Kansas City can lose two, three, four times, or the Patriots can, or the 49ers can, and they they make the playoffs, and then they win. You're just mimicking the same sport, except you don't have as good of players. I don't know what the answer is. No, but, but I think part of the issue, though, is, is just you only have a certain amount of games. Right, so it's you have less. There's less opportunity, like an App State, right? If an App State loses one game, I mean, not that they have a shot anyway, but they're done. Right. And, and how many teams does that happen to now, right? And, and, I mean, is it? it oh, 
is it time to limit, you know, go back to 10? I mean, I know they would never do this because from the financial side of it, but is the answer less, you know, 10, 10, go to instead of 12 games, go to 10 games? Well, maybe, because if you did that, then you could have a 16 or even a 32-team playoff. Right, right. You could really exactly. take the teams that have the best records. I mean, you, you lose more than once and you're disqualified, so to speak. And then you put them in a bracket and, you know, there's no player safety issue because you've only played 10 games. I would also, I would, I would allow, uh, I would allow the non, uh, I would allow allow the FCS teams to still play FBS, but I would make that an exhibition game. It doesn't count against your record. You know, if you want to play it, you don't have to play it, but you you know, that way the bigger schools, schools can still, you know, get that extra. So it just, it wouldn't count. In terms of like your credentials to go, no, yeah, I don't know that it counts now though. People just poo poo and oh, you beat an FCS school, right? But I would, but I would say I would rather play eleven games against all pure FBS teams than to play a twelve game schedule and everybody has one one cupcake. Yeah, I I I don't have. I mean, man, that's maybe a semantics argument. Like, I just don't know that that's going to make the difference. Like, if you're college football. And you look at your product and you look at what you've got. Maybe you're going, dude, we're making a bazillion dollars. We don't have a problem. Maybe this is a me problem. I just, like, on a Saturday afternoon in October when Iowa State is playing uh, Kansas State and both teams are four and two, I'm just not that pumped up about it. See, what I would, what I think would, Again, what I think would be a, a little bit of a different element is you make that first, you know, the, the week zero, whatever it is, right? That's the week you play your, your your FCS school. Everybody plays an FCS school that weekend, and then you go into the college football season, and then from then on, you're only playing FBS teams. Yeah, I mean, no one's going to like that because they want big TV ratings every week. That's why good games are staggered throughout the year. I mean, the, 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 here's the question. Do you want it to be better product or do you want it ratings? I want it I, all. You can't. I don't think you can have it all, Dave. We can't have it all? I don't think we can have it all. Huh. I don't think we fixed this problem. But if you have an idea, and maybe, the, maybe it's very simple. Maybe it's very simple. You grew up in Boston where college sports are not as big as pro sports. Right. And I grew up in San Francisco where Cal and Stanford are present but not necessarily a huge deal. And maybe it's a cultural thing because I know people that are South Carolina football fans that went to New Orleans to cheer against Clemson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, maybe yeah. it just is that the system is not broken. It's a perspective thing. But I get excited about watching a college basketball game, again, between Kansas State and Iowa State because they're on the bubble it affects seeding they might in the right scenario be able to make the sweet 16 all of those things they don't have to be national title contenders for me to make that compelling right whereas those same teams play in relatively speaking the same situation in college football they're not going to be in the playoff they're both going to second tier bowl games and I'm just not excited about it. But maybe that just means I like college basketball more than college football. Boy, we didn't need to talk about that for 15 minutes to figure that out. No, but we are driving through Thomasville. 
Oh, Teeville. Teeville. I believe it's called the Chair City. It is the Chair City, but we're not going to go see the Chair. The last time, the last several times we've driven through Thomasville, we've stopped. We've stopped and eaten, yeah. I actually really like the barbecue we had. Um, yeah, that was really good. Tommy's barbecue. Yeah, that was on the yeah. way to, to the High Point yeah. game. The breakfast place we went to on the way to Campbell was good, but I don't know that it had a differentiator. It was kind of like college football to the NFL. No, but like, you know what it was? Good, it was a but there solid. Was... It was a solid yes. breakfast, you know, slash dinery spot. The Teville Diner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. It was, uh, it was good, not great. Yeah, I mean, it was it was exactly I mean, what you want on a Saturday morning. You know, if you were uh, particularly, I think that would be a good spot if you were hungover and you wanted to get you know, definitely. You know, some, can I, I got a weird question? Okay, give it. When you think of diners, usually like you can get a, a good cheeseburger at a diner, sure, right? Right. That you should. I mean, that's got to be the staple, right? Right, and, and at a, a staple at a diner. You can get a cheeseburger. You can get a milkshake, right? Right, usually, yeah. Cheeseburger and a milkshake. That, right. That's pretty pretty classic that's diner, diner fare. fare. Yeah. Now, if you're at a diner for breakfast, yes. you, you can get anything in the egg variety. And, and, you right, know, your eggs over easy, scrambled, omelets. Right. Yeah. And everyone gets their Pancakes, eggs. Pancakes. You get, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, uh, French toast or right. a bacon. waffle. Yeah, yeah. bacon. In the South, you Maybe do a biscuit and some uh, gravy. Yeah, or some country ham. Yeah, country now, ham. Yeah. Now, everyone gets their breakfast items at a diner yeah. with a coffee or an orange juice. Okay, yeah. You get your burger at a diner with a milkshake. Milkshake, yeah, or soda, yeah. Why can't you get a milkshake with your breakfast items? Is that not allowed? I, I presume it's allowed. I've just never I've done seen that. it. You have? Yeah. When? Like a brunch? No, no, I mean like breakfast. Like, like and instead, you're going to bypass your coffee and orange juice and yeah. have a milkshake. I've done that at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Is that too late? Well, we, what time were we at the T-Ville Diner? Like 9. 9. Is there a cutoff for when you can have a milkshake too early? Like, I like milkshakes. Who now, they're like not milkshakes? They're not good for you, but you're at a diner. You're not there for the quinoa. You're not Let's eating healthy. If, if you're on the keto diet, you're not eating at a diner. Necessarily. Yeah, that's probably right. But I mean, you're not going to ask for like baby spinach and no, uh, olive no, oil, you know, no, exactly vinaigrette. I just like I don't think I ever even consider like I think of a diner, I think of a burger and a milkshake. Okay. And yeah. no one would say and French fries. That's absolutely yeah. that's not problematic in any way. Everyone's yeah, right, down with right, that order. Right. So now I'm at the same diner, but instead of it being noon. Yeah. It's 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Yeah. What? I, I think 10.30 is the cutoff for milkshakes. You can't have a milkshake before 10.30. I don't think so. Yeah. I think you can. I don't think so. We just never execute it. No, I think our parents wouldn't let us do that. Well, right now, the only people in the car are no, you, you and, and I yeah. and the ghost of Jeremy and Brad. Yeah. The ghost of Tom Jode. <laughs> I don't know. Send us an email. Beer to Carcast. What's the earliest you've ever had a milkshake? Yeah. Can, can you have a milkshake before 1030 in the morning? And if you were to have a milkshake early, what type would you have? Well, you got to go with a chocolate milkshake, I think. Give you a little caffeine kickstart you. Okay. You see, now, do you consider a milkshake a dessert? 
it depends on the milkshake. If you get a milkshake that is so thick you need like a um, like a vacuum to suction it out, that's a meal. But I feel like a milkshake. It, but you know, there's different types of milkshakes now. If you just do like the there's some style of milkshake where it's just the syrup in milk, which we would call just like a chocolate milk, um, and they just whip it up. Right. But uh, that you could certainly have in the morning. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, that, this is the basic chocolate milk. milk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, when you're talking the more intricate, when you're putting it with ice cream, with ice cream, yeah. Like, if if a milkshake is a dessert, you don't typically have dessert with breakfast, and I could see how that could be shunned. But if a milkshake is a drink, yes, then I think you can have any type. I refer. I I I've never really categorized it as a dessert. I've always put it more in the. It could be considered a snack. You know, if you get one, like, in between meals. I mean, if it's ice cream, ice cream is a dessert. If it's milk, right. then it's a drink. Yeah. I guess that's what you have to decide. We all have our choices in life. Trade Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> don't trade Christian McCaffrey. Drink a milkshake milk for breakfast. <laughs> don't. Don't. That's what you come to the Bearded Carcast for. Do you have a favorite milkshake? Ooh, I have several favorite milkshakes. I like the strawberry, yep. but you know, I, I like good. fruits and I like yeah, berries. Yeah. And I think that's a great milkshake. But if I'm going just slightly, slightly off the norm, I like a mint chip Ooh. with chocolate sauce yes. spooled in there. Yeah, I like it. It's very good. I like it. Very good. I like the black and white milkshake, which is... Uh, milk, the chocolate sauce, and then a scoop of each chocolate and vanilla. Oh, that almost sounds like a, a swirl. If you've got a swirl yeah. ice cream yeah. cone, that's like a swirl. I think milkshake. the traditional uh, black and white though is it might just be vanilla ice cream, chocolate syrup. Okay. And milk. Yeah. All right. But see, when I worked at Brigham's the ice cream place, I used to make. That's what I would do. I would do. I would. I would put like a vanilla, like a, uh, a, a pump of vanilla syrup. Pump of chocolate syrup, vanilla and chocolate ice cream and milk, and then I think I would want chips too. I think I would go with a oh, chocolate chip chocolate ice chip. cream. Yeah, that's good too. Yeah. That's okay. Good. So AJ Hinch and Jeff Lou now, yeah. they are gonna have lots of time to drink yeah. milkshakes or play golf. Or yeah, play golf, do whatever they want, so long as it's not running a baseball team. You know, I think baseball had to come down hard on this. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, um, and and the issue is. And it's funny because we talked to Pat Kelsey kind of loosely about this on the coaches' show on Monday night. I loved his response. Yeah, I mean, look in basketball, it's so open, right? And it, it you, you can't not do it. I mean, it, it just with the technology that we have, um, and, you know. And this is no disrespect to any of the places that we go. In some places, you can hear the other team on the on the team video. Right. So it's. You're not cheating. I mean, it's and just, you can see if right. they put. But but here's the thing: it's, it's thumbs most, up, and they run a play. You right. know that's thumbs up. Right. But the other reason that I don't think there's a problem with basketball is that it's open for everybody, right? It's like everybody can do it. But the the sign stealing thing, you know, in baseball, it's. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because, I think because baseball when baseball started it was. You know, a gentlemanly thing. It's like, well, we're not going to steal from each other, you know. So, I, you know, maybe that's a little antiquated. But 
the issue here isn't that. It's the rule was you can't do it and you can't use technology to do it. And they did it. Well, to some degree, and I, th- this might not be a great analogy, but remember the neighborhood play? Yeah. The shortstop gets close to tagging second right, base, right. throws on a first for the double play. Right. Did he actually make contact with second? Yeah. No, no, but he was in the neighborhood. The neighborhood yeah. It's an out. Then instant replay comes in. You actually have to tag the yeah, bag. Right. Out goes the neighborhood play. Sign stealing is one of two things. It's either okay or it's not okay. Right. There's no gray area. Right. So if it was okay done by, there's a runner at second base and he is signaling back to the hitter. But remember in the old days, if you did that, in the team. You're going to wear one. You're going to wear one in the ribs, yeah. Right. Like, I, I understand that this is technology-aided. This is a, a new era with new tools. But at the heart of it, either it is or is not allowed, okay, or not. One or the other. Right? Right. I mean, it, it's not all that different than the stuff the Patriots have been accused of doing. Right. Like, the deflate gate stuff. Was that allowed? Was that not allowed? If it was not allowed, then they're guilty. That's it. Are you surprised? Okay, Major League Baseball has to make a statement. They suspend the two guys for a year. Are you surprised the Astros cut ties? I was surprised. and Because... In the Astros instance, I felt like, you know, I didn't really go deep into what Jim Crane said, but roughly, wasn't it basically like, we don't really think it did any wrong, but we had to do this. Yeah. And we don't stand for this. Yeah, we don't, but, you know, um, so I don't know. I mean, I I, I stand by what I, I, they had to do it. They had to fire him or they had to suspend him? No, I was surprised they got fired. I think Jim Crane made a major mistake. Well, and it set a precedent, too, because now the Red Sox have to fire Joey Cora. Yeah, I mean, that, Cora. that's not Jim Crane's issue. Like, either these are his guys, or they're not. Right. Like, like these allegations didn't come up yesterday. Right. Like, we, we've been talking about this for some time. Until the report came out, until the suspension was levied, then they get fired. If this was a problem for you as the owner of the team, then right when it first came up, sure. you should have investigated right. and done something. Well, about I remember it. when uh, when Peyton got this is ex- up. exactly yeah. this. That's the perfect example of it. It's the Saints. Sean Payton and ownership were on the same page. The NFL suspended him. They said. We'll stick your middle finger at you. We'll, we'll listen to it. Okay, okay. We understand what the penalty is. We'll deal with it. And we'll come back and we'll be better than ever. Like, like ownership completely threw the manager and general manager under the bus. I mean, maybe rightfully so. But it, we're talking about something that happened in 2017. Yeah. So what's he been doing the last year and a half? Trying to win another World Series. Like, like to me, the one that is is most in the wrong here is the owner. Either this is okay or not okay right. on your watch. It's not retroactively 
not okay. Right, right. that's what it felt like. Yeah. yeah. Major League Baseball came down hard, and the ownership said, oh, you guys must have done this. Oh, you just found out about this? How does the rest of the world know about it for the last year? Well, and then everybody kept saying they didn't know about it. Like, well, uh, except the manager. I mean, he, did, so, so, he just said he didn't stop it. He knew it was going on, but he didn't do anything to stop so it. So what about the Red Sox? Yeah, I mean... Did you know, they have to make that move? Yes. Why? Well, the Red Sox... Alex Cora's case is different because he participated in both. If if you now they're investigating the Red Sox for 2018 using the the replay room to actually go back and steal the signs, and then I don't know how they what their method of relaying was. Uh, but if you believe that to be true, uh, that they were stealing signs, then you, then I think you have to do it because he did it for one team, and now he's doing it for your team. He put your team in jeopardy. When the Red Sox hired Alex Cora. Do you think they had not heard any rumors and didn't know anything about this? That's, I don't know. Throughout last season, while the Red Sox were doing whatever they were doing. Well, and remember, the Red Sox, everybody was warned going into the 2018 season not to do it. Right. Like, I look at the Red Sox and the Astros in the same light. But, but how much credibility does Major League Baseball have? Because they basically turned a blind eye to the steroid era. Well, I mean, I think that's a separate issue. I agree that the way they've gone about it is similar. I understand the parallels. But the fact that you did something wrong previously does not mean no, you have to do something wrong right. now. Right, right. right. So, yeah. That no, but, but it speaks to turning a blind eye until you have to do something. Because basically that was the same thing with steroids. They kind of turned a blind eye to it until they had to do something. It surprises me, though, that... The teams and the league are aligned so closely that the the league now doesn't even need to do anything with Cora, even though they will, so that something's on the books. But the Red Sox preemptively right. took him out. Right. What about Carlos Beltran? Yeah, I mean that's a decision. The Mets are gonna have to make that decision. And what decision would you make? I. I... I don't know. See, that's that's when I, when I went back to say about what Jim Crane. He he set the precedent. The Red Sox have followed the precedent now, but they didn't have to. No, but they did. So now, how do you, if you're the Mets, how do you not fire him? I, I mean, I mean, I, I guess you can say, you know, it's different circumstances. When you know. the Mets hired Carlos Beltran, do we think they were aware he was involved in this stuff or not? Because if the answer is they were not aware. If the answer was that the Red Sox hired him, Cora, without knowing any of this, I think they are completely in their right to go, oh, this is screwed up, you're gone. Right. But if they fired these guys, knowing that they had been involved in this stuff, and but now... Here's, but here's the thing. There's, there's a difference between hearing a rumor or an innuendo and actually having conclusive evidence of, of a scheme. I... I agree. I agree with that. But I think when you are because how many times you hear stuff, a rumor starts and then it gets out of control, and half of it's bullshit. If we were hiring a third person for the bearded card cast, obviously an yeah. incredibly high paying, high paying, a very and by very high paying, we mean no pay, prominent, important right. role. My guess is we would do our homework. We would know the ins and outs 
of that person. It would be more than innuendo. We would make the calls, we would do the research, and we would make a decision. It is hard for me to believe that the Boston Red Sox or the New York Mets, who have all of the resources in the world, if they want to, cannot perform a thorough background check to determine the quality of the person they are hiring. Right. I understand that. But if you called and asked around about people aren't... I don't think a lot of people were aware of what was going on, to be honest with you. And I think there was suspicion. And I think there were... Um, was it the A's? I mean, there, there were teams that started to figure it out. There are a whole bunch of players but that have come I, out and said it. Yeah, but do you think the Red Sox are calling all those... They're just magically calling all the right players to... You and I had a fascinating conversation with Winthrop Athletic Director Ken Halpin, oh, three, four weeks ago, about search firms in college basketball. Yeah. And the reason to and the reason not to use no, no, search I, firms. No, I understand what you're saying, but, here's, but the point is, again, it goes back to... Uh, let's say you call me about somebody, and I say to you, Dave, yeah, I mean, I can't prove it, but that's, that's what I'm hearing. If you really like the guy, you can be like, okay, but I really like this guy. And you might allow other mitigating factors overrule that. Because, I have a because very, it hasn't been proven. My tolerance for bad hiring practices is extraordinarily small because you can hire someone to go research it. And when you're going to hand yeah, someone no, 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 a million you, or no, no, five no, no, million or ten a, million dollars. But there's a big difference between saying, well, this is what I'm hearing, Dave. But you can't prove it. Good investigations can maybe not prove it come very it, close well, but, to no, it. But, but, but baseball is muddy because there's, uh, uh, you know, putting Vaseline on a baseball or spin. Well, that's right. I mean, they, so, they, so, I mean, it's there's a culture in baseball. Right. You're right. They, they, that's it. What is a rule and what rule yeah, is and, enforced and, rules and how important yeah. the rules are. That That's right. So, back to the question about Carlos Belchon. If the Mets hired him and knew nothing, even if I think that's really bad HR and hiring practices, right. but if they knew nothing, do you fire him now? If I tend to be more legalistic, I think the precedent has been set. I think you got to fire him. Okay. I agree that if you knew nothing, you have to fire him. Now, what if you hired Kim knowing maybe not the specifics, but generally having an idea that he was involved with these people and this sort of thing. This this now speaks to good, bad, or ugly. I don't know if character is the right word, right? But it speaks to... Uh, it, it speaks to how they handle it. If they just fire him and say, well, we didn't know anything about it, you know, and they're, they're trying to make face, I think that that's... I mean, it's probably the right decision, but it's a crappy thing to do. I... I agree. I think the Mets potentially are the ones on the hook as much as Carlos Beltran. But don't, but, the, but no organization is going to go out and say, well, we knew it. We hired him anyway. Well, that, that may be the case. I mean, like, I, I have a hard time believing that the Red Sox didn't know what was going on until two days ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I have a hard time believing that Jim Crane didn't know what was going on. Like, to me, I recognize that what Lunau and Cora... And Beltron and Hinch did is wrong, but but I, I think they were allowed to do wrong by the people above them. But I think it was the Sergeant Schultz thing too. I I don't think they wanted to know. 
Oh, absolutely. So they may have had a, they may have heard whispers of things, but you know, they may have guessed or thought, but they didn't. I don't think they knew new. But I don't think that gets them off the no, hook. No, no, I'm not saying it does, but I'm just saying. Okay, last question. AJ Hinch is a World Series winning manager. Jeff Lunau is a World Series architect. He constructed a roster. And quite frankly, they took over a dumpster fire of an organization and did unbelievable things with them. Do they work again in those capacities? When? Most likely, no. The The case for would be somebody hires them at some level, a step back or two, and they prove themselves again. But they clearly are on a true and straight and narrow path, and they can kind of demonstrate that, and they have success possible. I doubt, I doubt those two are ever in their roles again. I go the other way. Bobby Petrino got another job today. Bobby Petrino got paid $250,000 a year to coach, I don't even remember, Missouri State's football team. Got two chances at Louisville, had the deal at Arkansas, went to the Atlanta Falcons. These guys are good at their jobs. Yeah. I think, I think they work again. I think they work again at the major league level. I think they work again in the exact same capacities. I don't know when. I it, it might be, but I don't think they get hired in those jobs immediately. I think they they have to take a step back and then they get elevated into the job. That wouldn't surprise me. I, I think you could see AJ Hinch as a bench coach or like they'll have to come back in some sort of rehabil- rehabilitation of their reputation job. But I don't think they get hired as GM managers right off the bat. Man, that could be wrong. I just feel like somebody, a team, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, the Padres invested all that money in Manny Machado, and maybe things aren't going good after next year, but they're still on the hook for a couple of big contracts. And like, geez, who can do this? Well, you know who showed up in Houston and started winning right away? I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just... If anything says our society, it's we give people second chances. Yeah. I kind of across the board. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. We would like a second chance if you've turned us off. (laughs) If you've only listened to some of the episodes, we would like you to give a chance to to the other ones. Listen to them all. It's the Bearded Carcast. Are we there yet? We're almost there. How close? We still got another couple hundred miles. Dang it. Well... It was fun. Should, should we do another episode? We'll do one later. All right. We'll do another All episode. Right. Uh, Tune in next week. Next week. Maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we maybe won't. We do. Yeah, maybe we won't. Maybe do we you won't. like guests? Send us an email. Beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Maybe we'll have a guest before the Super Bowl. 